Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are glad you have joined us today. Quick reminder that we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a great place for all of your progressive Christianity needs, everything from liturgies to personal reading. You will find it there, and we hope that you'll go and investigate just a bit. And while you're out there investigating that, be sure to follow us. You can follow us on Facebook, the Moonshine Jesus Show. Find us there. More importantly, before you do all of that, why don't you welcome my good buddy, Caleb. How's it going, Caleb? I am great on this holy yeah. week. Mark, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well myself, man. I'm, I'm interested for us to launch, launch into Dungeons and Dragons and our thoughts mm -hmm. on it. I, I have a feeling that we might end up in different places and maybe in unexpected places based on our histories Ooh. with the board game. Mm -hmm. We're going to see. I don't know. We'll find out. More importantly, though, let's let folks know we are talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and that means that there will be spoilers everywhere. So don't mm -hmm. expect to come out of this thinking that, you, that we won't spoil anything because it's going to be heavy spoilers. We promise you that. We will always promise you that. And as we get into it, though, we also to, you know, get us our minds in the right places to have a yes. really lively conversation. I think we should have some drinks, man. So uh, where did you go with your drink on this one? Okay, so I was inspired by uh, the title Dungeons and Dragons and by the fact that we got to see a couple of dragons throughout the show. And so I thought, ah, I need something dragon related. And so I created my own. I created a dragon's breath cocktail. Um, and uh, uh, yeah. this, this actually is just a Oaxaca old fashioned, but it's uh, although I see smoke coming mark <laughs> i feel like i i feel keep like on, i've underdone on. this i feel like i've underdone this i'm very i'm very nervous right. it looks right, like there's actual smoke right. okay. I, i'd like to know what you're doing so that okay. yes yeah, so oaxaca old-fashioned i oh, actually oaxaca old -fashioned. i actually made an actual dragon's breath and okay it is yeah i made, see the smoke it's made with white rum absinthe yeah. orange juice and grenadine and then you use your smoker gun, and 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 here's the magic. Ready for the magic? Yeah. Here's the magic. I'm ready. The magic. Ooh. All the smoke, all the smoke oh, rolling off of the drink. Smoke, man. Yeah, it's pretty nice. That's just my smoker that I use for my bourbon every few yeah. nights. So that's yeah. all that really yeah. is. But it's a great way to start a fun show, I would say. So here's to you. Yeah. Here's to you. Mine's mezcal and tequila. So it's smoky taste. Nice, lovely. Ooh, that's pretty good. All right, uh, we're going to have a quick drop, and we'll catch you on the other side for a little bit of geeking out. Woo! Moonshine Jesus. Moonshine Jesus. Moonshine Jesus. Moonshine Jesus. Won't you shine? And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And, you know, Mark, before I dive into this, I've got to say that I love that, you know, other than the time that we purposely prepared the same drink, I don't think we've ever had the exact same drink. Even though we called our yeah. drinks the same thing today, same they were thing. radically different drinks. I agree. We, we, yeah. it's, it's interesting. As many, we've been doing this for over a year. Right. And somehow we, we have not repeated exact drinks yet. So 
It, we'll have to cool. figure out some some celebration when that day actually occurs. I don't know what it'll be. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll have something <laughs> built in when we because we don't ever talk about our drinks ahead of time. It's a surprise. Right. No. As I'm, is absolutely. our conversation, one of the fun things Indeed. about the Moonshine Jesus oh. show. So we absolutely. are talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It is a recently released fantasy heist action comedy film. That's a lot of things. <laughs> it Based is a lot. on the tabletop role-playing game, Dungeons & Dragons, it's set in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting and has no connections to the film trilogy that was related, released between 2000 and 2012. So, Mark, look, yes, man, yes. you already hinted yeah. at this, but... <laughs> All I know about Dungeons and Dragons is what yes. I have learned from watching Stranger Things. And I think well, a lot of us might enough. be in that place. You know, this board game has seen a recent resurgence with Stranger yep. Things and people have started to get more interested in this. But, man, there are no Demogorgons. There's no Mind Flayer. There's no Vecna in, <laughs> in this show. So help me understand, yeah. how does this film and the storyline relate to D&D as a whole? This is so D and D, and and we'll get to this at some point. It's probably part of the problem I have with it. I was a big D and D player, kind of in the first century when D and D was big. They came out in the late seventies, I think. I played in the mid to late eighties, and I played a lot. Um, and so these we the characters that we have are all characters that you can play when you're playing D and D. The mm -hmm. setting that everything is in is in an actual setting that people would be sitting around a table playing in. Um, the magic spells that get cast are all from there. Um, mm. And part of my frustration though, is it's very clear they wanted the movie to feel like someone was playing a game. Mm. So mm -hmm. you have these moments where a character keeps repeating something like a, mm -hmm. an action. Whereas in any mm -hmm. other movie, they would do it once it would be over and then they would jump into say the action so there's a scene where the the lead character that's played by chris pine edgen okay. is i uh, got his arms tied and he's trying to use the stone edge to to cut through the ropes right and all, all along uh, uh holga is fighting the battle well <laughs> he tries the entire battle to do yeah. that well you know, that happens in a real campaign around a table because you've got one person who's rolling mm. his 20-sided die trying to get the right number so he can cut the ropes. And then you've got this other one who rolled a 20 and is all about the battle and is, you know, winning every uh, confrontation. Uh -huh. And that works great around a table when you know what's happening. But in a movie, it's really just playing to the D&D &D audience. I was, I was mm. fortunate enough. I was at the movie's there were two different groups of clearly folks who do campaigns together hmm. and they were having the most fun. They uh, were laughing hmm. at every little inside joke and pointing things out. It, it was, it, that was fun to see them enjoying it. So I just think it's poor movie making and it didn't need to be, there's different ways to approach it and make it still like be in the the world of Dungeons and Dragons and have paladins and and then have bards and and sorcerers and uh, you can still do that without having to tip so heavily to how it plays out during a game. There were moments there was a lot of fun with that the way that there would be around the table banter during a very mm -hmm. important you know moment. We saw that uh -huh. on screen in the little group that we were following, so that was uh -huh. a lot of fun. Right, but uh, I just felt like it didn't make good. I mean, it was. It was it was okay-ish. My 14-year-old yeah. self would have loved it. 
You know, mm, mm. what 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 did you think of it? And, and coming from a point of not really having a deep background on D and D, were there things that they were trying to do that threw you off, or did they cover it well enough that it kind of it was you were able to get right into it? Yeah, so I felt like I was able to enjoy the movie, knowing that there were some meta things going on that I wasn't getting, you right. know, so I, I knew coming into this conversation that one of the things I had to ask you is about some of the Easter eggs that I missed. And you already talked about some of those things that I wouldn't have known were happening in those moments. But I think they did a good enough job of telling the story and in a way that you might tell a, a typical fantasy story that, um, that you were able to be brought in, even if you didn't have a broader understanding of Dungeons right. and Dragons. And I think the comedy uh, of it helped yeah. a lot. I, yeah. I, and I was in a theater with uh, just a few people and obviously not a Dungeons and Dragons kind of crowd. I feel like right. there were a lot of people like me who were just there to see the movie, to experience it there without uh, a diff without that background. So, so you kind of already talked about some of the Easter eggs that I yeah, missed, Mark. But so tell us more. Yeah, so, tell us more about so some of the well, modern you, D and D. Where you miss the demigorgons and all of that kind of thing. There were some right. wonderful things, like in the when they're in the, uh, the 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 maze and they open the chest and it comes after them. That's a mimic chest, and it's always a surprise when you're playing and you think you're about mm. to get. So that was great. The gelatinous cubes is one of those yeah. kind of rare things that you didn't see a lot, but when you did, it was mm. exciting and different and engaging. Yeah. Uh, the intellect devourers, the one that looked like brains walking around uh -huh. on legs, right? Uh, that's another kind of fun one that's always been around since the very beginning, and any player would be like, "Oh my god, look at that!" But once again, there, I, the intellect of our would be a great example where I had a problem with how they did this mm, movie. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Zenic, the paladin, that is, I think, probably supposed to be a representative of uh, the DM, the dungeon master, because he knows everything, he's emotionless, and he has this deep knowledge yep. of everything. Mm, well, like mm -hmm. when they come up against the intellect of ours, he first gives this long explanation that would take an intelligent person to understand and to remember and to communicate. And then right. he says, uh, they'll only come after us if they see us as being intelligent. And they right. just walk by everybody, which is right. funny that yeah. they walk by them. But they do it just after he just had this really in intelligent understanding of what these uh -huh. creatures are and how they operate and all of that. Right. Uh, and one other wonderful moment of hat tip to, to players Um when they're standing at the bridge and they're going across to get the helm and the bridge has all these perfectly shaped lined up bricks and the paladin stands there, Zinc stands there and he says, all right, this is how this works. And he starts going through this crazy complex as if it's nothing, which is exactly right. what DMs sometimes do. They overcomplicate it and everyone at the table is just kind of staring at each other going, how in the world are we going to remember any of this? And then, all of a sudden on the show, one of the characters steps accidentally on the beginning of the bridge, not really realizing it's the beginning right. of the bridge after this massive explanation. And that's exactly like if he was the first player at the table and this massive explanation, he said, all right, I'm going to, let's say the first step was you take two steps forward and one to the left. He'd say, I'm going to take two steps forward, one to the left. He'd roll his 20-sided die and a one would have dropped. And, the, the, and that's when the DM would have been, no, you, you stepped on the bridge already. The whole thing's falling in. You've got to find a new way over. You know. So there were these yeah. little moments that were really sort of fun, fun for the DM, for, for players of D&D. &D. I just felt like those moments 
were such inside jokes and frequently didn't match up to what good movie making looks like. Hmm. It, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy the, it as a movie. I don't think that D&D, if you're trying to repeat the experience of playing at a table, I don't think trying to make it into movies ever going to work if that's what you're trying to do. Mm. It hasn't mm. worked. They've tried before. There was another one that was released to movie theaters. It didn't work. Right. There's another one that they made since 2000 that was so bad, they just released it straight to video. Um, and then someone made a movie for television streaming, and it was also horrible. I just think if you're going to do it, do do what a lot of folks are saying they're thankful they didn't do. Try to make it into a Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, that kind of movie, and use the characters and, and the, the locations that we all who play know about. And it'll be a giant world-building, world-making, and engaging mm. movie if mm. you do it that way. But don't try to make me feel like I'm playing a game because I'm not. The closest I came to feeling like playing a game is like we talked uh -huh. about Wick, Wick 4 the last time. Uh -huh. It felt like we we were playing a video game where about every 20 minutes we finished that stage. Like, hey, you have achieved yeah. the goal of finding your daughter. Woohoo! All right, your next goal is to go and find the helm. <laughs> hey, you've achieved the goal of finding the helm. Your next goal is, you know, it just felt like it was that over and over again. And that's great for a campaign that you're playing around a table. For me, it makes for kind of non-inventive movie making. That's interesting because so I, I didn't have any of that, obviously, and I just approached it as a movie and I didn't know anything about D&D, &D, nor did I try to find out any more about D&D &D than I already mm -hmm. knew. And I said, I'm going to just experience this as a movie. And I kind of enjoyed it for that reason, <laughs> <laughs> because I was anticipating this. You were anticipating. You were anticipating. I was anticipating that you were going to really like it and that I was going to. That's what I meant at oh, the beginning. I was like, I think this is going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, so I did. I liked it. A person it. who never played it really thought right. it was fun. And a person who did was kind of like, it was, I don't know. I was so maybe that's, I, surprised. Maybe that's who they were playing to. I don't know. Is because because well, I, had, I, mean, I had no emotional attachment to it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I care think, if it succeeded or failed. You know, I think I, I'm just weird, man. I, I, I from everything <laughs> I've seen. Based on the wow. two campaign groups that were right, uh, based on the two campaign groups that were in there watching with yep. me, they clearly loved it. Uh, I read a mm. review or two from gamers uh -huh. just because I was really yep. curious because of the way I felt. Yeah, they're all really big on it. They think it's fantastic, uh -huh. um, and mm. so it. I think it even has a chance to to be like a, a series. I think that we're going to see several of these movies because it seems like it's going to be successful, and maybe specifically successful with D&D players. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So uh, one of the things that I did really like about it that has uh, relatively little to do with D&D as a whole is just uh, the immersive experience of it all. There was a lot of world building, I felt like, and, uh, and they kind of uh, brought us into this. And unlike some of the other movies that we've talked about recently, where, uh, and I'm thinking about uh, Ant-Man, Quantumanium in, in particular. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know why I keep going back to that other than uh, <laughs> it, it just it felt like they tried to create a world but, and it didn't work. You know, yeah. it's like uh, trying to trying to show us uh, something else. But but here yeah. I felt kind of immersed 
in this world that they were building. And mm. uh, I appreciate it all felt real and, and grounded while also a, a fantasy. And I, I liked that. Uh, yeah. How did you feel about that? Did you feel kind of immersed in that? Or um, did your I, I thought the, Dungeons and Dragons kind of yeah, take out yeah. of it? I did think the world building was relatively good. Uh, um, that I did feel like this was a real place and that they journeyed quite dis- great distances to different areas. And each area had its mm-hmm. own feel. I thought that was handled very well. And uh, there were other things like the costume was really, really quite good. Um, yeah. I- I'm curious, though, did you think that the character building and not the world building, but the character building, did you get to the point where you felt like you knew these characters and cared about them um, in-, in any deep way like you might in other movies? Well, I felt like um, if we're talking about uh, Chris Pine's character and then Holga, then yeah, we got we got so quite a bit of background on them and some and some buy-in. You know, we yeah. found out more about them gradually over the course of the movie. There were emotional aspects of loss and uh, and chosen family that mm-hmm. I felt invested in those characters. The side characters, I felt like we got a, a bit of development, but I. I, I feel like you didn't feel like that, Mark, but I really yeah. did. I was invested in these characters. I, oh, yeah. I, I I wanted them to, yeah, to find happiness. And I liked the narrative yeah. of like chosen family coming together. And right. uh, I like, I felt okay, like I was good. invested in that. I think that's, that's but, great. <laughs> but, I, but you didn't, you didn't, did you? I, you, you were... <laughs> I kind of felt like they were thin characters, man. I, I think yeah. they, they used, uh, you know, the charisma of Chris Pine to make you like that character without doing much about his particular history or anything. I got to tell you, I was somewhat indifferent about his relationship with his daughter because we didn't see any anything go on that really made them connect in any real way until the very end. And, and yeah. so the whole quest to find the daughter and then to win the daughter back, it was lacking a depth that I wanted from it. And I think they could have done something about that by doing a little more character work when the when the child was born and and either show his struggles with not being able to be there or show more of him interacting or whatever it was. I just felt like there was more that could have been done there. Uh, that's yeah. not to say that at the end, when they when they uh, uh, revive Holga, that I wasn't yeah. teary-eyed because I was. I right. thought that was beautifully yeah. done and very emotional and sweet, and I loved it. But in some ways, I don't think they earned it. <laughs> It was just that I'm an emotional person and I was sweet. <laughs> they didn't earn those tears. Go back right. and earn, earn my tears. <laughs> you know, I saw one of the reviews that said, uh, speaking of Chris Pine's charisma, the Chris Pine is at his most Chris Pine he's been in years or something like that. That's really Chris fair. Pine that's really Chris fair. Pine. You know, he's just being Chris Pine. So maybe that's true. Maybe it's just his charisma that's carrying the movie. <laughs> hey, uh, I would love to pick your brain more because I'm fascinated to know more about D&D and, and <laughs> things I missed in this movie. And I appreciate your benevolence in explaining that, Mark, to me and others like me who may not be hardcore Dungeons and Dragons folks. You mean, but, you, hey, you mean hardcore nerds. That's okay. You can just <laughs> Well, I am a nerd. Just That's true. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, but hey, I'm also a theology nerd ah. and a political nerd. Yeah. And uh, I am dying to dive into the theology and politics of this movie. So let's take a quick break, listen to some music and get another drink and come back and talk about Theo Politico stuff 
in Dungeons and Dragons. to the Theopolitico segment of the Moonshine Jesus Show. Um, so, so Caleb, I'm going to ju- dive right in here. I feel like one of, th- there's several, I think one of the things that lacked in this film too was a focus. There's several themes that happen throughout the movie at different times. There but one, one that was sort of an overriding theme, uh, one particular character, Simon in particular, but I think of many of the characters, uh, was uh, learning to trust themselves. Um, and and it, it it seems that we've seen a lot of movies where one of the key themes is self-belief or self-doubt. And so not really just to, not to keep going back to it too frequently, but it's clearly an important theme in this movie and for people in general. So just some quick kind of questions about that. In, in what ways do you believe that self-doubt limits us? What are the, the, like the big reasons why that's an issue that we need to overcome? Why are we seeing the theme of it so frequently in movies and seeing folks like kind of the inspirational of beginning to believe in themselves. What do you think that is and, and what, how does it limit us? Yeah, so one of the quotes that stood out to me in the movie was when Simon says, it was just me holding me back. And yes. I think one of the things that um, that we've seen is that, that in our society, there is a lot of self-doubt, especially as we're thinking about coming through this other side of the pandemic. I think a lot of people are unsure about themselves and unsure um where they are i think a lot of i i think we've seen things like anxiety and depression really uh really grow in number through the um and prevalence throughout the through the throughout the pandemic so i think that's Mm -hmm. part of it is i think people are asking a lot about who they are and who they're supposed to be um, on this other side of the pandemic. I I, I think another thing that's tied into this is just kind of this narrative that we have in the United States where um, we think that we are responsible for our, our for our future, and we we think that like things are in our control. And I think there's a lot of struggle with that right now, as we're seeing that things are really out of our control. And so I I think like in the zeitgeist of what's going on in the United States right now, we're seeing mm-hmm. all of those things kind of tangled up together and that's why i think we're seeing more and more movies dealing with it uh that was kind of me rambling about a lot of different things but what no i I agree with you i think one of the big parts of um why we're seeing these themes come out and uh i mean it's just important in general uh Mm self-doubt is just a reality of of being human Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. overcoming but i think one of the things that bolsters us against that is being in community and being celebrated in community and we've been isolated for so long But that certainly uh, we've been separated from access to that. So a follow up question then considering that is how do we end up helping each other learn self-belief? What kinds of things can we do for each other? 
So I think whenever you have people around you who see things in you that you don't see in yourselves, that can be that can be very powerful. And whenever yeah. people affirm things in you and tell you uh, that you're good at things or they see these gifts in you that maybe you don't mm -hmm. see in yourself, that, that that can be incredibly empowering. And so I think one of the things that I really liked about this movie was that we had people who kind of chose to be with each other in some ways out of necessity and and right. in some ways out of just uh, happenstance but uh, mm -hmm. but chose to be with each other and through that through not having any other choice i i suppose they they affirmed each other's uh skill set and it, it was kind of made made funny like well maybe they weren't really ever going to be able <laughs> to actually achieve these things but right. then in the end they ended up being able to do it and you know I think I think actually there's something to that, that that sometimes even if you don't know if you can really do it, even if you don't know if other people can do it, if you affirm that it's possible, that uh, that there's there's some power in that. And I think church, when it's at its best, does that, yeah. that church tries to see uh, the potential in people and to acknowledge the potential in people and to affirm that in people. And if if a, a community of faith is doing that, then that, that can really help people with their own self-worth. And it, yeah. it can help people live into what they're capable uh, of doing if they're given a little bit of help and, and support. And so I did appreciate that in the movie. Uh, what do you think about it, Mark? Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, um, you know, one of the ways that you overcome self-doubt is by doing the thing that you doubted you could do. And, mm -hmm. and, and frequently doing it while you still doubt that you could do it. Mm -hmm. And having a community behind you that's telling you, you can do it. We believe in you. We, we see right. that you have these gifts, which is what, like you said, what a healthy and good church is able to do really is a key piece of helping a person do that. Because once we have... Uh, defeated that dragon, once we have overcome that issue, that thing we didn't think we could do, that we didn't believe about ourselves, we we are empowered. We see that we can do it. Um, and so we slay that dragon. And a lot of times it is the support of a community that that, that gives us the, the belief, not just the belief, but the, the energy and, and the willpower to just do it anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm in complete agree with, with you uh, about the important role the church plays in that. So let's shift a little bit from yeah. stuff to a little bit more maybe political stuff. So this is also, and we've touched on this slightly, this is also a film of, of, about collaboration, even amongst like a variety of people, you know, right. very, yeah. very different, have different needs and desires and how mm -hmm. they needed to collaborate to achieve their final goal. And, and clearly... Clearly, we don't really have that in our representation in D.C., right? So um, yeah. first question is, do you think we've ever really had that as uh, in the history of our nation, this uh, clearer collaboration between folks who are so very different? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, I think... I think for most of our nation's history, it has been people who have been very homogenous, right? I mean, whenever yeah. uh, we, I mean, for most of our nation's history, we had white male landowners right. who were uh, making decisions. And it's only been, you know, even in the, in the last century or less than a century, right, that we've been able to yeah. see uh, a, a growing diversity to see women uh, in leadership mm -hmm. and 
to see now people who are openly LGBTQ plus identifying and to see people of color and various racial and uh, ethnic backgrounds beginning to get into leadership of the country. And so I think for most of our nation's history, even though they would have seen themselves as diverse, maybe being from the North and the South or something like that, that, uh, but, but really very homogenous group. So no, we haven't had a a heterogeneous group of people making decisions. Uh, And uh, and so, I, I understand that there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. In well, even of- when even when we did have that group of people who who really looked exactly the same, let's be yeah. honest, they had very different ideals that they worked towards. Do you do you think? Did you see when you think of history, were they able mm-hmm. to collaborate over those ideas, or were we have we always been this deeply divided? Yeah, so I mean, at, at different points in our nation's history, we've been able to be do better at working together than others, and uh, I I think there have been times that we've been uh, very deeply divided, and times when we've been able to to work together. But yeah. uh, at least in my lifetime, uh, this is the most deeply divided we have ever been, and I think. You know, it's it's one of those things where it, we're getting to the point where it's difficult to even speak the same language. And I'm thinking particularly about gun control, because this is something that I think is on all of our minds right now after Absolutely. the mass shooting at an elementary school last week. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I, I've been thinking about this over the course of the past week that, you know, uh, a decade ago was Sandy Hook. And after Sandy Hook. Both Republicans and Democrats were able to talk about common sense gun reform and nothing ended up happening. Right. But at least Republicans 10 years ago were willing to give it lip service. Now they're not even willing to give it any lip service. Now it's complete and utter deflection. And um, and so that's just one issue among a whole plethora of issues. We could talk we could talk about uh, right to choose. You know, we can talk about LGBT issues. Uh, uh, drag is something that's right. uh, going on all o- over. The oddly, country. all of a sudden, it's a big issue. All of a sudden, right? And, yeah. and so it seems like there's very little common ground to to talk uh, uh, to talk about. And Mark, I could use I could use your guidance on this <laughs> on how we even come to find common ground. When I wish I had. I wish I had it. more guidance. I wish I had more yeah. guidance on this, man. Uh, um, I agree with you. We're we're we've never not been somewhat divided. There's always been sort of a history of mm-hmm. when import, when an issue is important enough, um, being able to find a middle ground and, and at least make some progress one way or the other towards fixing the issue. Uh, and we've become so divided that we're much more interested in winning than we are in making it a better uh, world for mm-hmm. folks. If anything. There seems to be a whole group of folks who are very intent on making sure that they are better off than anybody else. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how to overcome that, man. I mean, we see all the time uh, in stories and in the histories of just not just our nation, but of the world that when people manage to overcome differences and collaborate and work towards something that will help the, the, the larger majority or to solve a big issue, we all end up better off, even as a nation. You yeah. can just make this completely uh, a, an economics question. When you do that, you tend to build a healthier, thriving economy, no matter what the issue is. 
People are more yeah. willing to feel trust in what's going on and to be involved in it. So even if that's your only concern, I'm just saying that in so many places, learning to collaborate over differences to solve problems tends to make for a stronger nation in all kinds of places. And we seem to have lost sight of that as a nation. And uh, I'll be honest, if we don't learn to overcome it, I am certain that it will be our downfall. Yeah, yeah. I 100% I agree. And I think we're seeing this division uh, very strongly in Christianity too. You know, that yeah. we're, that I, I think fundamentalist Christians have been largely responsible uh, for, uh, in collaboration with kind of alt-right, uh, alt-right people, politicians, yeah. have been very much responsible for some of this turn in our country. And, you know, we're not even, I think, as progressive Christians, able to find much common ground with fundamentalist Christians to be able to even uh, uh, appeal to a common sense of decency or even to the teachings of Jesus or even to the ethical teachings uh, to, to really unite us as, as a people. So, oh, Man, Mark, uh, I, I'm nervous I about uh, about in about ending this segment there with right. uh, with not a lot. I need something hopeful. Do you have something well, hopeful to end this segment with? Well, I, I would like to have something hopeful, but you know, I actually think that sometimes it's good to live in 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 the stress and in the recognizing that we have this frustration in front of us, and that it is a very large. It, it, it's too easy to come up with a nice, happy, cheery thing and say, "Ha ha, yeah. it'll be okay." And, you know, right now, I think we're healthier to say, you know, right now it's not okay. And right now we have work to be done. And it's okay to live in this frustration because maybe this frustration will inspire us a little bit to do the work that it's going to take to change things in a way that will help more people and make us a healthier nation. Okay, you're inspiring me, Mark, to get, to get out <laughs> I there accidentally, and do something good. I accidentally inspired you anyway. All right, listen, we have... We have <laughs> We could go on and on on this. I think it's a really important yeah. topic that we there's a lot yeah. to explore, but we've exhausted our time for this segment. So we are going to have the joy, the thrill of getting to go to our favorite segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, our next segment coming up. So we'll catch a quick break and catch y'all on the other side. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment. We appreciate all of you who have hung around with us throughout our show today. This is one of the fun segments where we get to kind of ask each other questions that might help the co-host or might kind of allow us to ask some things that we didn't yeah. get to throughout the show. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, with the latter, Mark. I think okay. I, I, I had some something that I wanted to get to, and I didn't quite get to yeah. it. Okay. And uh, I want to take a quote from uh, Chris Pine's character, Edgen. He says, uh, we must never stop failing because the moment we stop failing, we failed. Um, and so I'm, uh, so he's doing this in the moment where he's uh, trying to encourage Simon to put on the helmet and, and bond with the helmet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know, uh, is that true? 
And uh, is that something that like a motto we should adopt in our lives or is that other crap? What is it, Mike? (laughs) That is 100% true. Mm. It is something that every gamer knows. You learn by failing. You never lose. You always learn. And so, yeah, I think we should always live by that. Never stop failing because if we stop failing, we, we'll never learn. We won't. We won't advance. That's how. That's even how science gets advanced. You have a theory. You fail at that theory. You go back. You go. Why did it fail? What might change that? And you keep trying. So yeah, I completely. I'm. I'm on board with him. I. I. The moment he said it, I was like, it's a funny way of saying it, but I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I liked it too because I think that one of the things that often holds us back in life is fear of failure, right? That's one of the reasons we don't take chances. That's one of the reasons we don't go for the things we want. We're afraid that we're going to fail. And I think that in this moment in time, if we're thinking about churches, I think that's one of the things that churches do most often is that they hold themselves back for for fear of failing. So like the current model that most churches use is not working right? Church is declining. We continue to see this. And I think churches are afraid to try new things because they're afraid that they're going to fail. And I think that if we uh, give ourselves permission to fail, uh, then it's incredibly freeing. And a lot of times you find life and vibrancy through the failure, through saying, hey, you know what? This really sucked. We really didn't do what we thought we were going to do, but we had fun doing it, uh, and uh, yeah. we really threw ourselves into it, and we learned a lot. And so we're going to try again, and this time we're going to try something else. So yeah. uh, I, I love, I love the way that you that you say that, uh, that that that's kind of inherent in gaming because I think it ought to be inherent in life too that we yeah. we fail, we try, we fail, we try again. So yeah. okay, good. So I'm glad you like it. But kind of live into it and love it. I mean. Failing yep. isn't a bad thing. It's an opportunity to learn. I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Okay, so my turn, I think, okay. is what you were just telling me. And mine's going to be pretty you. simple. Mine's okay. a lot more simple. Mine's a lot more simple. It is about failing. It's about where this movie failed. And I want you to explain ah! how how in the world they thought that they could get away with these little things. I'm just going to pick one. I'm just going to pick one. Okay. And you explain okay. to me how this happened. So they're in trying to retrieve the helm, and they're running away uh-huh. on this bridge. And the dragon gets on the bridge, and the bridge starts collapsing. And uh-huh. Doric, our uh, Typhling El- uh, Druid, who can change into all these different animals, mm-hmm. is hanging from the bridge. And someone has to come and grab her arm in a dramatic fashion and pull her up. She's a Typhling Druid. Why didn't she just turn I, into a bird? I know. And... So th- that's exactly what I sat there this wondering. This happened all the, the time. I, Explain I, me. I'm like, I'm like, why does it? Why didn't she turn into a bird and fly away? We've already seen her do that a number right. of times, but but then we got to to have a hero, Mark. And if we hadn't if we hadn't had that dramatic moment, <laughs> we wouldn't have seen that moment of hero, heroism. And you know, I, I also like chauvinism and the man saving <laughs> the, say, the woman, <laughs> right? I, think I mean, wor- I think it's worse than that, man. I really think it goes back to something <laughs> I complained about earlier in our show. I think that the makers of the movie had her character roll a one to turn into a dove and went, oh, in, in all of the commotion and all of your anxiety and fear, you're not able to turn into a bird. But as a viewer, I was like, why are we not like fly away? Uh, it was, uh, 
Uh, so you're you're saying that's one of the meta things that I would miss by not being a D and D player. I'm afraid that it is, and yeah. and I'm just glad that it didn't get too much in the way for you. For me, it yeah. got on the way in the way twice. My first thought yeah. was, why didn't she fly away? And then my next thought was, yeah. oh, they're trying to be clever. She rolled inside <laughs> a die and probably came up a one or a two and couldn't, you know, whatever. And, uh, it just was, you know, it's a fun-ish movie. It's an okay-ish yeah. movie. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah. I, I won't need to watch it again. And okay. I, it would take some real encouragement maybe from my community to get me to overcome my fear of watching the, the part two. I think that is, that's where I would have to leave it. <laughs> I love where we've landed on this. Mark, the D and D player indifferent towards this movie, me zero experience with D and D thinking, Hey, I really like that. I, have, I might be excited for a sequel. Uh, Okay. Hey, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed talking Indeed. about this movie and uh, enjoyed getting your insight to your D&D perspective on it. But uh, we got to think about next week. And uh, oh, yeah. I- I'm not sure I know what to talk about next week. Do well, I, I, do have, I do have a okay. suggestion. I mean, it's Easter right. week, so it's a busy week. Going to the movies isn't yeah. necessarily the easiest. So I was just thinking, like, what might, might be relatively new on TV where we could watch a few episodes and kind of get okay. a feel for it talk about it and there is one that i think you are going to like because like me you are also a dc fan and this is sort of a a new piece of dc uh the the show is called uh, gotham knights and it's on the cw and this is the story after bruce wayne gets killed and his adopted son who in this storyline is not robin um gets sort of framed for it as do a few of the children of some of Batman's enemy. And they end up having to team up together to try to clear their names. And I believe in the long run are going to become the new heroes, the Gotham Knights mm. of Gotham. So I think this will be really interesting. Robin does end up playing into, into the storyline eventually as well. So I think this will be a great one. There's only four episodes, easy for us to get caught up on and have a discussion about it. What do you think? I'm excited about that. That sounds Excellent. great, Mark. I'm, I've been cool. really into the CW shows. Uh, I enjoyed watching all the Arrowverse shows. And so uh, mm-hmm. I haven't watched Gotham Knights yet, but I can I can catch up on four episodes. Nice. And, you yeah. know, that'll be nice Easter decompression. So there I'm go. in next week, Gotham Knights. Hope you all will watch it too. We hope to see you next week on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Mm-hmm.